been in a series called Better, and this is a series of verses uh, in the Bible where God just calls something better than something else. And if you've been tracking with this series, um, by the way, can we give Val a hand back there because that's terrifying when that happens. Yeah, good job, Val. Um, anyway, so if you've been tracking with this, you would, you, would, you would know there wasn't supposed to be a sermon today, um, but we were having so much fun in the Old Testament, there were these passages that were set aside for the New Testament, uh, and so we thought we would just grab a couple of those. So it's going to go really quick. Uh, there's just two of these that we're doing, the one we're doing today, and then one next week, uh, which Bob will do, and, uh, and then... I'm not supposed to tell you what we're doing next, but it's really exciting, and you should be here for that. So it's going to be a fun year. Um, and, uh, but yeah, today we're in the New Testament. We're talking about something uh, Paul specifically calls better in the book of Philippians. We're in one of my very favorite passages of Scripture today. I think it's super encouraging. Today we are talking all about how it's better to be with Christ. Uh, and so, you know, I think the New Testament ones get the, the betters get a little more intense because Christ has been revealed, and, uh, and, and that's certainly true for us today. Um, but we're in a very famous passage of the Bible today. Uh, here's kind of the uh, abbreviated version. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So, of course, the thing that he's saying is that he desires to depart part, die, and be with Christ, which he says is better. Now, many people in the world don't think about dying as better, uh, and uh, I think sometimes, um, you know, this can be, uh, you know, thought of as morbid because uh, we don't want to be people who are, well, like, have you ever heard the old saying that you can be so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good? You ever heard that before? Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, as, as believers, we have this promise in the Bible, and the promise is that not only do we walk with Christ today, and are we filled with the Spirit, and uh, do we know the peace and love and comfort of the Lord, but that is an eternal life, and it goes on forever and ever. And, and, and the end isn't the end for us, it's just the beginning. And that is a great promise, and I think there's a rebuke from the world about that. Uh, but when you look in the Bible at people who are excited about this promise and the people who think a lot about this promise, they're not detached. Uh, they're not apathetic about anything. They don't not care about the world. In fact, there are people like Paul who were courageous and bold, people who preached the gospel and labored fruitfully. And so those are some of the things we're talking about today. Here's uh, the whole passage. It just says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the Bible, or in the body, sorry, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So, a uh, pretty exciting passage uh, to work through today. Um, and, uh, you know, Paul here is torn between two worlds. Uh, he is uh, in, in prison. Uh, well, I mean, he's sort of in a house prison type of situation in Rome. And uh, he is uh, waiting for a, a trial and a judgment. And... Uh, 
and, and he doesn't know the outcome. Uh, one outcome could be that uh, he'll be released and, and able to go, in which case he says, I, I want to go keep doing the labor of the Lord. I, I want to see you. I want to encourage you. I want to be together. But the other is that uh, he could be executed, uh, and then he would be uh, with Christ. And, but for Paul, he says these things are both, are both so good. Uh, you know, the, the potential for the Lord to be glorified is so strong in both of these. Uh, he feels hemmed in between the two. Uh, and so, uh, so that's kind of where uh, he's at today as he writes these words. Uh, and for many of us today, uh, we can relate to those ideas of being, uh, having two things before us. And they're both good. Maybe you're engaged, but you're not married yet. Maybe you have a new job, but the old one isn't quite done yet. And you're finishing up some things. And there's going to be some people you miss. Maybe you're moving soon. And there's some things you like about the old house, but you're excited about the new house too. And I think that is very much how Paul is looking at his situation today. So what I want to do is this. Um, today, I want to think about how it's better to be with Christ and how we do have this promise of eternal life in the Bible, everlasting life, uh, life uh, before uh, the Lord himself and with the Lord himself. And, and I want to talk about how that doesn't check us out of the world, but instead it motivates us. And it motivates us to live our lives to the very fullest each and every day. And we're going to go through three ways that uh, that the promise of being with Christ forever motivates us to live well today. That's how we're going to spend our time today. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, Lord, we are so grateful um, for the life we have in you. And Lord, I pray today, I, I know many of us are here and we're busy. Uh, our minds are torn between many things. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to, to put our hearts and our our brains and just our focus on you for a little bit. Lord, I pray that you would just soften and change our hearts. I pray that you would bring to mind uh, the things that we need to do this week, uh, the ways that you're working in our lives this week. Uh, Lord, and ultimately, uh, what your will is for our lives. Lord, as we look into a wonderful passage um, of promises in the New Testament, really, um, Lord, I just pray that you'll give us boldness and confidence, that you'll strengthen us in our time together this morning. And in your name, I pray. Amen. So yeah, Torn Between Two Worlds. And, and if you guys know me, uh, you know that this has been very true for me and my family. We've been in two worlds, right? Um, because we've been remodeling our house. Uh, and so it's been kind of something that there's been some, <laughs> and one thing has led to thinking about the other thing. And, and a lot of you guys ask me questions about our house a lot. So, so if you, if you, you know, you're new or, or don't know the, the saga. Uh, about eight months ago, we decided to renovate our house, a tiny house with five of us. And, uh, and we decided to renovate, going down to pretty much the studs of the house. I mean, a little less than that. But, I mean, it's been like roof, siding, flooring, uh, electrical, plumbing. I mean, it's like there, there's nothing we, we didn't do, kind of. Um, and, uh, and that has been an adventure. And a lot of you have asked questions about, well, I get a couple questions a lot. So I thought I would take a moment and, first of all, uh, answer a couple of the questions. But I also wanted just to say thank you for the many of you who are praying for us and have cared about this and have asked about it uh, because it has made us feel like we're not going through this alone, but we're going through this with a church family. And I just kind of wanted to start on a personal note today. So I, th I thought about that this week, and I was like, man, like we're so blessed uh, to have you guys as part of this. So thank you. Uh, and uh, the first question I get is, how is it going? 
uh, Scott, what is going on at your house? Uh, what are they doing? Uh, what are you doing? How are things going? So this is the one I showed you guys. Mm, I, I don't know, when we were in Colossians, I think, I pulled this from a Colossians sermon I did. And uh, you can see there, so that used to be the kitchen, and that gray floor up there was the bathroom. Uh, and then we took down that wall, and then that gaping hole. Oh, wait, oh, like a hole. Oh, yep, there it is. Uh, a gaping hole right there. That's the stairs. There were no stairs yet, so we called it the pit of despair if any kids went down it or something. Uh, these were the stairs here. They were really scary. It was like you opened that door, and if you've ever been in like a 1930s house, stairs were different then. Uh, and uh, <laughs> people are like, did uh, your kids ever fall down it? And it was like, yes, they did. Uh, two of the three of them and me. And uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but uh, there's been little bits of work here and there, and then sometimes there's a whole bunch of things that happen. Sometimes it's work like on the roof and windows, and sometimes it's stuff outside the house and inside. Uh, this is kind of the same space right now, uh, and so you can just see it looks a little different. I know, it's so exciting, uh, and, uh, but you can just see that there's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot that we're doing, but progress is happening, and so that's kind of where things are. Uh, another question that uh, we get a lot is like, when do you expect to be back in? No clue. Don't know. And, and I've learned that I, I have zero control over that. And I just, I cannot know. And every time I think I know and I open my big mouth about it, I'm wrong. So um, I don't know. We hope in the next month or two uh, to be back in the house. We're getting pretty close. I spent the weekend spackling uh, in my house. And uh, there's uh, my father-in-law's here today. He's been at our house all week too. And you know, it takes a village and it's super exciting. Anyway, uh, another question I get is, Scott, especially if you know my dad and my mom, and they go here, uh, how are you guys doing? Because we know that there are seven of you, uh, and you're living with your parents. And, um, you know, and uh, the answer to that is we're doing good. Uh, we're doing really well. And, and that is kind of actually what ties into the sermon a little bit today, um, is that, uh, you know, I think the reason that we are doing well, because my parents have a nice, nice little house, and it's really, I think, was built for like three to five people in mind, and then of course there's seven of us, and three of us are six and under, and uh, so it's crazy. It's crazy there. It's like sometimes kind of messy. Sometimes there's some crying in the house. Sometimes that crying is the kids. Um, there is, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's just different things that, that go on each day. Sometimes, like, because my dad, you know, he's connected with people here, and Anna and I are, so sometimes people come in, and I feel bad for them, because they're, like, overwhelmed, right? They come in, and, like, there's, like, a kid hanging off something over here, and, you know, my mom, like, she's, like, cleaning something over here, and, and I'm sitting there, like, you know, uh, you know, and they walk in, and <laughs> but for real, I think, you know, like, we're having fun together, and there's this thing, there's this thing that I I think has really made everything fit together so well, and it is the fact that our situation isn't permanent, right? It's, it's going by really quick. And Anna and I really like some things about what's happening right now. Like, for instance, um, you know, I never dreamed I would be like 37 and living with my parents, uh, but there's some good parts to that, too. Uh, I never thought my kids would have this type of time with their grandparents. Um, you know, in fact, when we found out we were pregnant, we lived in South Carolina, and I didn't know if my kids would ever know my parents very well, you know. And uh, that's something that we keep in mind. That's something that comes up for us sometimes. Um, and when you know that your time is not permanent, and you know your time is short, um, you know, sometimes 
you go through a little more effort to make sure the day ends on a good note. Uh, you take a little more care to look out for one another, and you know that you're making memories. The whole time, you're making memories. And so I've been thinking about that a lot. I think Paul is thinking somewhat this way that time is short, and that we want to use the time we have well. Uh, we want to use the time we have the best possible way we can, because we're temporary. We're short timers. Life goes by like that, and then things change. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul is, is thinking uh, really deliberately about what to do with his time and how God will be glorified in his time. And there's really three things that I think come out that I think are very applicable. And one is this, um, you know, if, if you want to live life to the fullest, sort of in light of these promises and, and in light of an eternal life, that, that right now, today, that we live life abundantly in Christ today. Uh, that's an each and every day type of thing. Paul says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what does it mean to live in Christ? What does it mean that life is Christ? Uh, in and I think that is a question worth spending some time on this morning and thinking about uh, just in your lives this week is what does it mean that life is Christ? And is that something that's really true for you? Is that something that really, if you were to, to say, you know, what am I all about? You know, uh, where does my time investment go? Where are my relationships aimed at? You know, where are my finances at? You know, and, and the question would be, is, is Jesus the answer to some of those things? Uh, because for Paul, there's no question to live is Christ. It is just all about life in Christ. And there's a lot to think about here because all of us, for example, uh, have a past without Christ. We have a present in Christ. And of course, in this passage, we have a future in Christ. And, and all these things are wrapped up in Christ. Uh, all of us, for example, we're all apart from Christ at one point. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And it's by grace that you've been saved. So, um, you know, I think the, the key word here is dead in our trespasses. And so, of course, this is, we're spiritually insensitive. You know, this is like if you're driving on Highway 14 and there's something plumped over uh, in the lane, which happens a lot yeah, there, it would be like honking your horn and hoping that it would move to the side. Right, it's not going to move. It doesn't hear your horn. It, its arms don't work anymore. Uh, you know, it's it's going to lay there. Uh, you're going to have to swerve around it, but God does this miracle where um, he, he makes it to where we're no longer dead, but we are alive in Christ, and we're brought into a new reality with Christ, and that is a present reality. We're no longer insensitive to God's well. We're no longer uh, have these ears that don't work and these eyes that don't see. That's who we were, uh, right? And, and so now we're alive in Christ. And so there's a presence. That's me and that's you today. If you've put your faith in Christ, that we've been raised into new life. And so, so that's part of living in Christ is the life we live now. Here's a, a verse in Romans. He says this, we were buried therefore with uh, him by uh, baptism into the dead in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And then my favorite part of this verse is that we walk in the newness of life. This is an ongoing walk. This is, this is new each and every day. His mercies are new each and every day. And so uh, this is a way of living. And so our lives are in Christ. And of course, a life in Christ is full of benefits. It's full of goodness. It's full of mercy. For instance, it's, it's in Christ, uh, you know, in, in 
Romans 6 talks a lot about this, that we have power over sin. We're no longer just slaves to sin anymore. We're no longer helpless to sin. We no longer have these minds that just want to gratify the flesh anymore, right? We're, we're filled with the Spirit, and we're, we're walking in a new way now. And so, uh, so we begin to yearn for these things, and we begin to take steps in these things, and, and we're sensitive to the things of the Lord, Right? We start to have conviction to the things of the Lord and see things in a different way and hear things in a different way. Our lives begin to change and we walk in the newness of life. It's in Christ that we have peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. Maybe some of you have been in situations this year where, where it was a bad situation and you still had peace, which means either you were crazy or God was there with you and gave you some peace. Right? It's in, in some of those crazy situations. Early on with the house, uh, we realized we had in our budget uh, to redo some electrical. And that's like, it wasn't worded much more <laughs> well than that, I think. It was like redoing some, we we're going to patch some things together and replace a little bit. And some of you remember, I think I've talked about this before, it, we gutted the electrical. And then we realized there wasn't enough uh, ampage coming to the house. We had 100 amps of power coming to the house, and that's not up to code. We can't do all that work without getting up to code, so we had to, to fix that. And then the power line was coming in too low, so then we had to put a mask. I mean, I could go on, but I won't. The, the point is, I was terrified because that wasn't in our, our budget, and so our contingency was largely eaten up, like, right at the beginning. Right? Now, I'm no mathematician, but I was like, man, if this keeps up, uh, I'm, I'm worried about how this is going to end. Right? And uh, there was one day I was talking to somebody that, that mentors me who is wise, and I was like, I'm worried we're going to do all this work and not be able to live in the house. And he looked at me with perfect peace in his eyes and says, well, then it's just a house. Right? But that's not, that's not how the world thinks right? Uh, that's not how the world operates, but it's, it's with Christ that we have peace because we know he works things out in our lives. We know we can trust him. He's come through before, and he comes through again, and he provides everything for us. And it's not like we work really hard, and then he provides. No, it's all from him. He provides for us, and so we have peace in that. We have wisdom, uh, we have wisdom in Christ. There's, sometimes we don't know what to do, and, and as we're with other believers, and we're in the Word, and we're, we're spending time in prayer, that, that uh, we, we gain wisdom, and then this, this comes in Christ. Uh, we have wisdom. We, we know how to solve conflict sometimes in a way that the world doesn't. I mean, sometimes the, the, the things the Bible says are pretty simple. Like, if you have a problem with somebody, you should go to that person and just talk about your problem. Just like, just be simple like that, you know? And it's just crazy how many other things we can be tempted to do instead. You know, how many things we can do to get control and power and get the leverage. Uh, but, you know, God's word, it makes things wise for us. And of course, there's a spiritual wisdom to this that transcends human wisdom either. We've talked about some of that in this series. There's a leadership that the Lord leads us. He's our shepherd, right? There's, there's this thing about how God takes care of us and he leads us. And so, so this is us in Christ, this is what it means to live in Christ, is that we live in a relationship with the Lord, all right? We, we, have, we have other people who are living in a relationship with the Lord, and we're put together as the people of God, and we have a newness of life, and we're walking forward in that. Lastly is this, is that we have a future in Christ, right? And, and there's much more to all, I mean, here's like Scott's, like some of Scott's favorite summary things about, you know, life in Christ, but there's so much more than this. Uh, you know, this is from John 14 when Jesus is about uh, to, he's been talking to his disciples about how he's 
going to go somewhere that they're not, you know, for a while, and, you know, he's not going to always be, it's not going to always be the same, and things are going to change. But he says this, that uh, my father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have told you that uh, I'm going there to prepare a place for you? We sang about this this morning, right? Uh, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And so that's another great thing about living in Christ is there's this promise of eternal life. There's this promise of life with Christ. It's a never-ending life with Christ. It's an eternal life with Christ. That is different than the life that the world lives. There's a reason that I think there's a rebuke on the church for being too heavenly-minded, right? I mean, that's, that would be that would be really hard to understand if you thought everything ends when you're 80 years old. And that would be very confusing to think that way. If everything ends when you're 80 years old, I mean, think about how much pressure you would feel to take everything now, to get the life you want, to make the life you want, right? Even if, even if you have to throw somebody else aside, you get what you need, right? There's a wisdom that exists that's like that, you know? Uh, but that's not us. Our life is all wrapped up in Christ. Our future, our destiny, it's all wrapped up in Christ. And we know that he's working things together uh, for, for our good. There's a story I came across this week, and I don't always like share the stories I read from like the little commentaries and stuff, but this one kind of spoke to me. And it was from a guy who writes a commentary on Philippians who also was a pastor for years and years. And uh, he was sharing this story about a guy in his church who... Um, uh, was, uh, he was, he was dying, and he was towards the end of his life, and, you know, they, they were beginning to do some pretty invasive surgeries and things like that, and, uh, and the man was actually a physician himself, uh, but anyway, there was something, uh, regarding a stent, and the surgery hadn't gone well, and so they ended up having to kind of bail on it and close them back up, and, and it was kind of one of those Hollywood moments where, you know, somebody on staff ran out to the family and was like, hey, if, if you want to say goodbye and you want to be sure, like, come, come now, come, you know, hurry. And so everybody gathers around the bedside, and the guy, uh, the, the guy kind of wakes up, and he's in a lot of pain, and he can't talk. But it, it describes him kind of looking around and seeing his family, and he sees that they're distraught. They're, they're emotional. They've come apart. They don't know what to do. They're confused, right? And if you've ever been in that situation, you know it is, it is a, a whole experience. Um, and so he begins to motion uh, for something, and they figure out after a while that he's motioning for a, a, a pen and paper. He wants to write something, and so so he writes these words: t- "For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain." And then under it, he writes "Hallelujah." So he writes under it, and then after a while, he begins to be able to talk, and he, he says two sentences. He says that nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And so, you know, I, I, I thought about that, and I just thought, man, it, like, life in Christ is so beautiful, because it, it, it's the newness and the freshness of, of, of life that, that we walk in each and every day, but it doesn't change. It's eternal, right? And not only is that great peace and comfort for us, but also our families and our loved ones, there's just something beautiful about life in Christ. So there is an abundance to living in Christ. Uh, There is uh, to be experienced uh, each and every day. Uh, Secondly, there is a laboring uh, fruitfully in Christ. And this is the second way that if we're thinking about kind of the shortness of life, we're thinking about the glorious future we have in Christ. uh, Here's a second way just to live 
amazingly in the present and is to labor fruitfully in Christ. Paul continues and he says this, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So there's a decision here. We've talked a little about this decision, but just in case, uh, the two things he's torn between uh, are, are two sentences that might come out of, of the situation he's in. The first is that he would depart and he's gonna be with Christ. So he would be martyred, he'd be executed, he would never make it back. But the other is that he would remain. And if he remains, he makes it clear what he's gonna do with his time. He's going to continue to do the labor of the Lord uh, and, 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 um, and to share the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and so there's, there's kind of two things here. Uh, the first is to depart. And I think it's interesting that he says that he wants to depart and be with Christ, and he doesn't say, I'm going to die and be with Christ. Uh, to depart is a different word, and, and uh, this, uh, uh, there's a couple ways it was used in ancient times I found interesting. One is that... Um, it was a military group, and they were moving from one camp and departing to a different camp. Right? That's a different way to think about uh, the, the difference between worlds, right? Another was like a ship, right, that's all tied down, and then it's released into the water. There's a departure, right? And so you think about Paul, and you think about his life, and remember when we did, went through Acts, and some of the things he endured, the beatings, the suffering, the, you know, being chased out of town, the shipwreck, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, locked up uh, here in sort of a custody, uh, house prison type of situation. You know, he went through a lot of trials and tribulation. So he doesn't think of, of dying when you're 80. He thinks of departing and being with Christ. That's different. That's a different way to think about that. And he says this, it's better by far. It's better by far. For, for Paul, that was better. You know, the second reason it was better was this, is that the gospel was already going out. And Philippians 1 kind of talks about that a little bit. And so Paul knows that, you know, he's already had an impact there. Uh, the gospel's already happening there. So if he dies uh, as a martyr, he knows that's going to make a huge splash for the gospel. Paul had different priorities than many people have. And his priorities was to live as Christ, right? And so he wants to do whatever's going to boast in Christ. He wants to do whatever's going to be advantageous for the kingdom because God's going to take care of him anyway. And, you know, by the way, you know, just thinking that we have control over our future is a lie anyway. You know, thinking that we have such thing as job security, that's just a lie anyway, right? There's all kinds of truths in the world about people who haven't made, and then their situations change. It's God who really controls things. And so Paul says to be with Christ and, and to be alleviated from some of the things that he's going through is better by far. Um, for instance, this is out of 2 Timothy. So later in his life, when he is closer to his death, he says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. And I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also all who have loved his appearing. So there's just something better about being with Christ. There's something better about being in his presence. And the second uh, thing, though, is, is to remain. And so if he remains, and he thinks that's what's going to happen, Philippians 1 makes it pretty clear, it's likely that that's what's going to happen. It means fruitful labor. And this is different than labor. This is different than Paul says, I'm going to stay and work. 
I'm going to stay and be a busybody. I'm going to stay and be on a million church teams and go to a million church services and do a lot of good things for a lot of people. It's different. It's fruitful labor. Fruitful, it's, it's, it's worth talking about fruitfulness a little bit in the Bible. Fruitful labor, for instance, is 100% connected to Christ. Without that connection, there's no such thing as fruitful labor. Uh, for instance, uh, John, uh, Jesus says this in John. He says that I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, uh, so, so there is a connection. There's a dependence. There is a supply of fruit, but it doesn't come from our efforts. It doesn't come from our willpower. It doesn't come from us. It comes from the Lord, and we just follow him uh, into that. Uh, otherwise, it's just work, and that's not what Paul is excited about. Secondly, uh, there's the beauty of fruit. Fruit is beautiful. Uh, there's, a, of course, a very famous passage here in Galatians that he says that it's love and joy and peace. And you know the passage, but, but that fruit is, is good. It's so wonderful that there's just no laws against it. Because, uh, and, and these are the things that the Spirit develops in us. These are the things that we encourage one another towards. These are the ways that we change as we walk with the Lord. Uh, and, and look, I mean, would you like to have friends like this? You know, of course you would like to have friends like this. Of course you would like to be a friend like this, and a dad like this, and a mom like this. And, uh, you know, of course this is the type of person you want to be, but, but real, the real spiritual deal and the fruit that really comes, comes from Christ. It's, it's impossible without him. Uh, the, the last is this, that, um, that fruit is necessary. Uh, this is, uh, of course, a, another pretty famous passage here in Ephesians. He says, for we're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are made for good works. We are made to be fruitful. He is cultivating fruit in us, right? And so, uh, and so, uh, so there's all sorts of ways to do that. And sometimes, you know, we think about, uh, we think about doing ministry as like this really abstract thing that, you know, you've got to be really holy and you've got to have all your stuff together. Like there's no bigger lie than I've got to get all of my issues together and then I'll be a great minister for the Lord, right? It just doesn't work that way, you know. Uh, but instead that, that the Lord is alive and he's leading you, he's working in you, he's working things together for the good in your life, he's working uh, in your situations. And as we're faithful, as we follow him, he's developing fruit in us, and, and we're reading about this fruit in his word. We're, we're hearing about this fr fruit through one another, uh, and, and so, uh, so we start to bear fruit, and we look great, and you know what? This can be as simple as the type of dad you are, and the type of mom you are, and the type of friend you are. You know, this, just this week, it was interesting. There's, I, I've been thinking about all of these things quite a bit, you know, uh, and uh, Sophia woke up first one morning, and, uh, you know, in the, in the Pouchet tornado, um, you know, uh, somebody always wakes up first, and sometimes that is a slow uh, next person, and sometimes it's like everybody's just awake because, you know, they're crying or something. Uh, anyway, Sophia woke up first, and, and I, I woke up, and I was with her, and we were sitting on the couch, and, uh, you know, and she wanted to read a book. And we have all kinds of different books at my parents' house, uh, but some of the books are like, you know, about the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Some of those books are about how God is the king and he's the creator of the world. And I thought, man, let's read one of those books this morning. 
right? And let's just, I'm going to just explain like a couple things this morning, right? Uh, you know, that God is a king, you know? It's, it's not always complicated. It's not always like, let's, you know, parse a Greek verb or something like that. You know, sometimes it's just how we love one another. And it's just, it's just doing our little bit in our little piece. And if the spirit is a part of that, it's way more powerful than anything else. Anyway, so there is a laboring, a fruitful laboring in Christ. And it is another way to make your days count now. It's another way to have a very uh, fruitful week this week and uh, day today. Here's the last one. There is a longing to serve others. Uh, You know, let me ask you a question. What is the desire of your heart? You know, this week, if you were to, to be really honest and get out a piece of paper and think about, you know, where, where's my time going? Uh, where are my relationships pointed? Where's my money going? Uh, you know, what's pulled up on my phone and all of my tabs? I have like 30 tabs always somehow open in my internet browsers. You know, what, what kind of things do you look at? You know, what are the desires of your heart? And I think what we see when people are in Christ and they're walking with Christ and they're being renewed by Christ and the Spirit is at work in them is that they begin to desire Christ. They begin to desire His work in their life. They begin to desire working for others and serving others. And that's something you see really developed throughout the book of Philippians is that, uh, that we're to consider others uh, more important than ourselves. And so, so there's a longing to serve others. He says this, uh, so convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. Man, like, I, this is a convicting couple verses for me because I don't know that this is how I'm always think, right? Sometimes uh, my, my thoughts are so much lower than this, but I think there's some great spiritual insight here for how's Paul thinking about the Philippians. What's his desire for them? What kind of labor does he want to be a part of in their life, right? And, and so there's a couple things to look at here. Uh, right. Uh, uh, okay, so the first is that uh, there is progress in their lives. And that's all of us. You know, I think there's a lie that uh, we get saved when we're six at camp or whatever, and then we're saved, and that's it, period. You know, and there, there's a truth to that. But that's not really what the Christian life looks like in the New Testament. There's a growth. There's a life. There's a development. Uh, there's a cultivating of fruit, right? Uh, there, there's a relationship. It's alive. It's active. Something is happening continually in your life as you begin to look more and more like the Lord, and he develops fruit in your life. So there's a progress. And, and Paul, as he continues with them, That's what he wants to see. He wants to see progress. He wants to see them grow. He wants to see them develop and mature. He wants to see their knowledge increase. Uh, In fact, Paul has already made it clear that he is praying for the Philippians in these specific ways. If you go back a few verses, he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Let me ask you a question. Is that your prayer for people in your life? Right? Is that your prayer for your family? Is that your prayer for your friends? That, that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and, be, uh, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Look, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, comes through uh, Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
So there is a progress, there is a growing, uh, and there is a joy in the faith. And so Paul wants to see those things. He wants to be a part of those things. He, he wants to help cultivate those things. And then that is the desire of his heart. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ will abound. You know, we talk a lot. I feel like it's just made its way through so many sermons at Gateway the last couple years that we don't want to be a point. We want to be the pointer right? Be a pointer, not the point. And, and that's the great thing about laboring fruitfully. It's the great thing about longing to serve others is what uh, is the, the grand result is that Jesus is worshiped. He is glorified. He is magnified. It pleases the Lord. And so as Paul longs to serve others, as we should long to serve other people, there is a worship that happens where we bring praise and honor uh, to the Lord. And so there is a boasting that happens as we long to be with Christ. Um, this week, uh, I've been into a Netflix docuseries about Bernie Madoff. I don't know if uh, you know who that is. It's super interesting. Uh, so if you don't, he was this guy who was on Wall Street. And, uh, you know, basically he was like some sort of like investor, uh, you know, did all these things. Uh, and the government, you know, listens to him. And he was connected to the, you know, the stuff like the SEC. And he was just this big, big deal. But he ran, I, th I think, uh, the biggest Ponzi scheme like ever. Uh, and it was, it was like in the billions of dollars, like the multi billions of dollars. And, and I've been reading, I've been kind of like into this. There's all kinds of different numbers for how much, you know, actually, uh, and the numbers are so squishy anyway. But, you know, uh, he did this for a long time, for years and years. And, and pretty much like the, the story is like, everybody was like, it, it couldn't be, you know, his numbers were kind of too good to be true, right? And so, uh, so you know, they kind of like, you know, put a case before the SEC, but nobody would really look at him because they were like, it's Bernie Madoff, it's the man, you know, like, like he is Wall Street, you know, and, uh, but of course, in the end, what happens is 2008 rolls around, there's the big crisis that happens, so everybody goes to get their money. There's no money. <laughs> and so uh, there's all these stories about people uh, who were planning on retiring because of the investments and, and the fruit of those investments, but uh, they had to go back to work instead. Uh, you know, they're still trying to pay people back for the money uh, they put in, and it created this horrible mess. Uh, he went to jail for 150 years. I think he actually passed away last year. Uh, and so there's just, I mean, it's just like tragedy upon tragedy endings. My fear is that there are, are many people in the world today that are going to, to get their money back one day, and it's not going to be there. The investment that was supposed to have been fruitful was never fruitful, right? They're going to go, they're, they're investing their time, they're investing their emotions, they're, de they're investing their resources in things that are never going to develop fruit because it's a Ponzi scheme, right? Uh, but in Christ, uh, we are told that there are things that are better. And, uh, and I love this one today because it just gives us such perspective about uh, the things we have in this life, the relationships we have in this life, the time that we have in this life, whether you are 5 or 15 or 85, um, you know, you can be fruitful and you can grow and, uh, and you can do things in this life that matter because the Lord's a part of it and he's working through you. And so that's what we want to commit to because those are the things that pay off. That's the investment that's there at the end. 
That's the things that, that it doesn't change. It's there. You can take it to the bank. That's why Paul's saying there are things that are so good, I can't even begin to think about what's best here. And so the future is in the hands of the Lord. But for us this week, you know, let us just be people who, uh, who, who live in the abundance of Christ. Uh, that's a, a daily walking with him. Who labor fruitfully. We're not lifting with our own muscle, but, but we're just obeying the Lord. We're just keeping in step with him. We're just being faithful to the work he's already assigned us to. He's already put people there. He's already gifted us for these things. And lastly, let us uh, pray for just a desire uh, to want to build other people up, uh, to want to help them grow uh, in their relationship with the Lord too, because in the end, those are the things that really matter during our short time uh, here in this world together. Um, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to close our time in worship today. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you that it's alive and active and that you're able to convict us and, uh, and that you're able to penetrate through to our hearts. Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the ways that you become a part of our lives, Lord, and you lead us and you guide us and you give us peace. Lord, you, and I pray that this week that y- you would just give assurance Um, I know there are many trials and tribulations represented in the room today. I pray that you would just remind us that you're with us, you're working things out, and that we can just, uh, we can just trust you. And Lord, help us to do that. Help us to keep our eyes on you, and help us to keep our heart on you, Lord. Um, Lord, protect us from, from the deceitful desires of the world, Lord, and keep us growing and, and just moving forward in you. Father, lastly, I just thank you for your word. That is just so powerful. It's so good. And Lord, I just pray that you would just give us the, the, the heart to remember it, that the Spirit would just bring these things up again this week. Lord, and that we might be those who live very, very full lives today. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.